All right, good morning again, and happy Veterans Day. Um, if you feel comfortable, if you or your spouse have served our country in any branch of the armed services, would you stand up uh, right now and let us thank you? Thank you. Thank you for serving our country. Somebody came up after the first service and said it's actually the Marines' birthday yesterday. Do we have any Marines in here? Raise your hand. Okay, now... They said that was especially significant to mention that, so noted. Um, If you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, we're continuing our series on the church this morning. And since we're talking about the church, I thought I'd take the liberty of sharing one of the many things I love about this church. Uh, And that is, is that I tend to hear, I love it when I hear um, some of the things that God is doing behind the scenes. You know, I just happen upon uh, one of those stories is that this week I heard that one of you members were with um, one of your neighbors, went to w- visit one of your neighbors in the hospital on their deathbed. And they got to share Christ with them, and they, they trusted Christ on their deathbed. I was so blessed and encouraged by that. Another story was, and a, a few weeks ago, I, I learned that we actually have a UPC Bible, um, Bible quiz team. Did you know that? It goes around and competes. Some of you are going like this, and I'm like, oh, no, I shouldn't have asked. Do you know that? Um, of course I knew that. I've known that for years. Um, but they go around and compete against other churches. Here's a picture of our Bible quiz team. That's Aiden and Ethan, Chrissy, Joseph and Ruby, Anger, RJ, Saavedra, and Lisa Cadena. And RJ and Lisa were recruited from our Transformers After School program. And they had to memorize the first three chapters of First Timothy, they competed about two weeks ago in four matches against different churches and brought home the trophy to UPC. So, all right, if you're here, stand up. Are you some of your ch- children? There they are, right back there. Thank you, guys. More clapping at UPC than in history of UPC. All right. I'm convicted of my scripture memory. I don't know about you guys. That's pretty, really, really impressive. Okay, back to 1 Corinthians 12. Last week we looked at the church as a bride. And this morning we're going to be talking about the church as a body. Church as a body. So read with me 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verse 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, all and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. 
The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again to the head, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. Let's pray once more. Our gracious God, there's no doubt people here who feel for many reasons that they just don't belong in the body as much as others do. And I pray that there would be a great working of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of your word to encourage and build up so that all who belong to Christ know that they fully belong to your church and the body of Christ. Let us leave here encouraged in the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My father was a Methodist pastor. And this meant that every one to three years, I would move around, uh, move to another place. I'd pack up my house. I'd say goodbye to all my friends and move to a different town. And I was was a short kid. Uh, Oftentimes the shortest by almost a half a head in in my class. And um, this meant that every time I moved, I brought a lot of insecurities to my new school. Uh, I was fairly athletic, so um, I would rush to athletics, uh, to sports, to try to fit in. But... um, but every time we moved, uh, I really felt um, that, I, again, I, I had this question, where am I going to find my sense of belonging, the desire to belong? So in preparation of this sermon, I ran across an interesting article with the, about the desire to fit in. It's by a doctor named Brene Brown who was being interviewed by Oprah. And she said in it that the desire to fit in is actually very di- different from the desire that we have to belong. She said it this way. It's pretty profound. Many of us suffer from this split between who we are and who we present ourselves to be to the world in order to be accepted. Fitting in, I've discovered during the past decade of research, is assessing situations and groups of people and then twisting yourself into a human pretzel in order to get them to let you hang out with them. Belonging is something else entirely. It's showing up and letting yourself be seen and known as you really are. Love of gourd painting, intense fear of public speaking, and all. I think every child and adult can relate with this desire to belong. We don't want to walk into groups and compromise our personality and our background and our our stories, our successes, nor our great miserable failures. We want to belong to a group where we don't have to twist and conform, but we 
know that we can be who we are and still loved and accepted with all our fears and insecurities. Although I think it's asking a lot, the whole gourd painting thing, I don't know. But anyway, um, Abraham Maslow famously had those uh, uh, hierarchy of needs, human needs. And in it, he said the need to belong is third, right behind the need to feel safe. Isn't that interesting? It's so much of a human trait that it's third on, on his hierarchy. Wikipedia actually has a, um, a listing for belongingness. It says, it is the emotional need to be accepted by a member or a group, a member of a group, whether it is a family, friends, co-workers, or religion, or something else. People have, tend to have an inherent desire to belong and be important, an important part of something greater than themselves. This desire is so universal that the need to belong is found across all cultures and different types of people. You know, this makes sense if you know a biblical worldview, doesn't it? From the beginning of the story, we were created to belong to God in such a way that we were completely naked and unashamed, fully accepted and loved. Uh, They felt a belonging with each other as naked and accepted by each other. And they belonged to a place where God actually walked among them. But with their sin and rebellion came exile and separation from God, from each other and from this place in the garden. And the striving to find acceptance and love that we all long for with God, with each other, and in a particular place has never ceased in the souls of each one of us. As you know, the rest of the story of the Bible is about God's beautiful plan to save a people to himself by his grace so that he can restore a sense of belonging to him. In the New Testament, this word, the church, in the Greek is ekklesia. It means the called out ones. It means we are called out of darkness into light. We are called out of isolation into relationships where we don't just fit in, but we can belong again. Therefore, if there's one place that people should be able to come into in the whole world, in any culture, and feel a sense of belonging, it is right here. It's the church. There are many metaphors for the church that we're looking at in this series, but I think it is It is in Paul's heart when he wrote this letter to the Corinthians and speaks here of the church being a body that he wants Christians then and us now to to be this type of people who deeply feel this sense of belonging. So to do that, to see that, we're going to look at a couple things. One is uh, the struggles of belonging, the reality of belonging, And then lastly, the responsibilities of belonging. So let's look first at the struggles. Where are our struggles of belonging? You know, statistics um, are staggering of people feeling lonely in our culture. Uh, The health insurer Cigna took a nationwide uh, survey of 20,000 people, adults, and 54% said that they feel like that, they, that no one actually knows them. 
Additionally, 56% of people said that the people they surround themselves with are not necessarily with them when they're there together. And 40% actually said that they don't have any meaningful relationships and feel isolated from others. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that sad? Those are your neighbors. Those are the people around us. And even though the church should be different, unfortunately, many of those beside you this morning still don't feel that sense of belonging here. And that's what was going on in Corinth. For the Christians there. In verse 12 and 14, Paul says that even though the body is one, consisting of many members, in verse 15 and 16, he says that many members of this body don't really feel like they, they actually belong. Some feel like a foot, saying, Because I'm not a hand, I just don't belong to the body. He says, Some feel like an ear, Because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. And Paul gives several reasons why the Christians in Corinth feel like that they didn't, didn't belong. But I think a lot of those can apply to our church, any church, but also ours. So let's look at a few. Number one, a struggle to belong is, I'm just not like them. I'm just not like them. So many groups in the world tend to try to create belongingness through sameness. You know what I mean? You feel like you belong if you share the same looks or the same um, language, same convictions or political cause or sport or social class. But the church is not like this. Verse 13 shows that he says, all were baptized into one body. Look at this. Jews or Greeks, slave or free. Even Jews and Greeks were supposed to feel belonging together. And this was completely countercultural. To the Jews, the, the Greeks were outsiders. They were not only enemy occupiers of their holy land, they were also um, idolaters. They worshipped false gods. They, they could not be a part of God's people. To the Greeks, the Jews were ignorant, weak, and a conquered people. Jews and Greeks could not have been more different. Well, he also mentioned slave and free. Slaves were unskilled and performed the lowest of jobs. They were considered someone else's property and often didn't even have legal personhood. They surely would have felt inferior coming into the church. Slaves and free people could not have been more different. Can you picture Jews and Greeks, slaves and free Christians walking into a house church on a Sunday morning, sitting down on the floor and singing and trying to worship together. No doubt there were some that would have been there that said, I, I am not like them. I do not feel like I belong. I was studying this, uh, for this sermon at the library this week when a woman uh, walked uh, over to me, who I, va- or I, I saw this woman wave at me, and I vaguely recognized her. Um, and she she started walking over me, and she asked me that question that you kind of dread. She said, "Do you remember me?" She paused. Of course, I remember you. No, I didn't say that. Um, I said, "No." Um, I mean, vaguely, I vaguely remember you. Um, she began to tell me her story that how she got connected to our church, asking for help, and then. 
And then I remembered. She, she started coming to our worship services. Uh, she came several times and then she all of a sudden stopped and I hadn't seen her since. This was months ago. And I said, I asked her, I said, why did you stop coming to our worship services? She immediately glanced down at herself and motioned with her hands like this, as if to say, isn't it obvious? She said then in a very non-cynical, kind of really matter-of-fact way looking at me, she said, I, I just don't look like you all. Isn't it obvious most, ever, it's, uh, it's obvious most have more money than I do. Uh, I'm just not like you. I was so sad. I was so sad. And then I was like, well, I'm studying the sermon on the body of Christ. And this is, I started preaching <laughs> to her. Because um, I wanted her to know these truths that we're going to talk about today. I'm not, I'm not like them. Number two, a reason people don't be- feel like they belong is I'm not as gifted. This is one of the, the Corinthian Christians, um, one of the ones they were really struggling with. They were elevating some spiritual gifts as more significant and valuable than other gifts, which meant to them, those people who had those gifts were more valuable and significant in the church. Feet and ears weren't as useful as hands and eyes. In verse 22, it shows that some people in the church felt that they were just weaker parts of the body. It's common for any church, in any church, for some to feel this, to feel inferior to those who seem to be more gifted or seemingly to have a, a, a more important ministry role. For instance, I could imagine in some of your community groups that some people are intimidated to pray because they just feel like that they just can't pray as well as someone else. Maybe they don't speak a lot. Maybe you don't speak a lot because you feel like I'm not, I just don't have as much to say. I'm not as important. I'm not, I'm not as eloquent. Uh, this is all the more elevated when you have a trained professional Christian such as a pastor in your group. Although I think my life group has learned that I still don't have it all together and I say crazy things. But I think this is especially important for our, our church to take note of because there's, there are so many blessings that come with us having about maybe 25 to 30% of our church being involved with a professional Christian ministry such as Crew or Wycliffe. It's amazing to have so many come in they're so trained and ready to serve our church. And I don't, I don't know one of you who would say, uh, uh, who, who would think, much less say, I have no need of you to anybody else. I really don't. But we would be naive. Naive to think that this doesn't increase the chances of some in our church coming in, hearing amazing stories about what you're doing around the world, Seeing you as so well-trained and gifted and subtly feel, I'm just not as gifted. Uh, I just don't know if I belong here as much. There are probably many in our church for this reason or many other reasons who feel I'm just not as gifted and therefore I just don't feel as much of a valuable member of UPC. I don't know if I belong. Third reason, I'm not as good. I'm not like them. I'm not as gifted. I'm not as good. Verse 23 shows some. It says, it says on those parts of the body that we think less honorable. Some are feeling less honorable in the church. This word refers to those who feel less value because of some sort of shame. 
that you have when they compare themselves to others around them. Some feel this because of social status, because in, in Greek thought, back then, honor is recognized is, is recognition you uh, enjoy in a community because of your social class, your uh, work position, or your wealth. If you lose that, you lose your honor. Slaves would have surely felt less honorable, but I don't think it's that much different from what we experience now. And some people feeling shame because of their work or their, their social class or their wealth. Um, but also you could lose your honor in that culture by messing up or, or fail or by failure especially in the Jewish tradition. Sinners, those who really have moral failure, were to be put out of the community. It's necessary to exclude them or to isolate them because they, they deserve shame for not being good enough. I think there are people that come into our church on Sunday morning that feel this, that feel less honorable. They look around and feel, I'm, I'm just simply not as good of a Christian if, if, you, if the person next to me knew what I did in my past, or maybe even this week, or what it looked like in the minivan with my kids on the way here to, this morning, I'd run out of here and not return. To some, the thought of being fully known to those, even in your own community group, and still accepted and loved and where you belong, it's just not possible. I'm not like them. I'm not as gifted. I'm not as good. These are struggles to belong. The reasons people don't feel that. And I just ask you, do you feel some of these? You felt these before? You feel them now? If so, Paul has some pretty great encouragement for us. So let's look at the reality of belonging. The reality of belonging. Paul uses a very easy and clear image for the church here. He says, it's one we all can connect with, right? We all have bodies. Um, He says in verse 12, for just as the body is one and has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. Seems pretty straightforward. We all have one body, many parts, many members of it. Body has many organs and uh, fingers and toes and bones. This... um, I wanted to know more about this, to understand the body. When I was in high school, I really I thought about becoming a doctor. I thought it would be really cool to help people, and they seemed to make a lot of money. So I was like, oh, that sounds good. And then I realized I'm horrible at memorizing stuff. So um, biology especially, I was like, that's out. So when I, it came to um, understanding the body, I had to call a good friend of mine who's a professor, a scientist, a doctor. Some of you remember um, Eli uh, Brainerd. So I called him. I said, I want to understand uh, more about the body and how each member fits in and he said it's he said what's so interesting about the body is that each part really is perfectly arranged in in order for the whole body to work right in other words he says said each part of the body belongs Uh, he wrote this in an email he said without the heart we don't pump the blood to the lungs to get oxygenated with the other 30 plus trillion cells we die without the lungs we don't get the oxygen we need into the blood and we die. Without the kidneys filtering our blood, we'd be dead in a matter of days. Without the liver to detoxify our blood, we'd, be, we'd rot from the inside within days. The gastrointestinal tract breaking down our food and absorbing it into our blood, without that, we'd die in a matter of days. 
He said, scientists are still just scratching the surface and identifying and understanding all the parts of the body and how important and significant each one is. Each one belongs. And so I think Paul is using this metaphor for a reason, even though he knew only a fraction of what we know now. In verse 22, he says, each individual Christian, in verse 22, is indispensable. It's an indispensable part of the body of Christ called the church. He goes on to expand on this in two powerful ways, two powerful truths. Number one, he said God creates this belonging. In verse 18, he says it like this. He says, but as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. In verse 24, he said God so composed the body. He composed it. The picture is like a master composer or artist perfectly placing individual notes on a page or strokes of the brush where it needs to be to form one masterpiece of art. You ever catch yourself staring at your um, screensaver on your computer or your Fire TV or Apple TV, you know, and those beautiful pictures that pop up? I was doing this on my computer um, a couple weeks ago, uh, just staring at this picture, because it's been on my computer since I've had it, but I never really noticed it. This is it. It's like a beautiful masterpiece. Each part is necessary. It's almost like it's been arranged to present the beauty as a whole. The clouds, to the snow, to the mountains, to the trees, to the rocks to the water which is reflecting it all, each individual part is needed to make one beautiful piece of art. Which means this, I think God's trying to say, or God is saying this through this passage. No matter how insignificant, inferior, you may feel in in this body, whether you feel gifted or not, whether you feel not as good as others, or simply very different, God has chosen and arranged you specifically. Your specific nationality, your specific appearance, your specific economic class and job and background and differences so that just as each part of the body is indispensable, you are a necessary and important and indispensable part of this masterpiece called the church. In fact, in verse 24, if you even feel a lack of honor, God, he says, God himself goes out of his way to give that part more honor. What does that mean? He gives greater honor. (laughs) You know, I I think a great picture of this is in the Old Testament. You remember that guy Mephibosheth in, in 2 Samuel 9? He was um, King Saul's grandson through Jonathan. He was crippled at the age of five, which would be difficult in any culture, but especially that culture. You're considered an outsider. Um, Sometime later, King David wanted to show his great love for Jonathan, his father. So he brought this crippled son to himself. He restored all the land that his um, grandfather Saul had owned to him. And he invited him to live in his palace and he said this to him. Can you imagine King David looking at this crippled man and saying, You shall always eat at my table. 
He chose a crippled man and restored his sense of belonging in such a beautiful way. Mephibosheth, um, when he heard this, he did not deserve, he felt that he did not deserve this place of honor. He said to David, he said, what is your servant that you should show such regard to a dead dog like me? You know, unfortunately, I think that's not unlike many of us. And um, when we, when it comes to thinking of our, about our sense of belonging, when it comes, to, when we, when we, th- we start to think that our sense of belonging depends upon our worth, our being similar to everybody else, on having. Uh, the similar or uh, the same gifts or ministry roles or a significant job or money or being a better Christian. I feel when um, you ever feel like when you compare yourself to others, you feel like I just don't deserve it. If they knew my failures and struggles. But just as David granted a sense of honor and belonging by grace alone, it's good for us to remember just how our sense of belonging is is ultimately granted to us. The answer is in verse 27. He says it so clearly. You're not just a body, but what? You're body of Christ. You're the body of Christ. Other passages such as Ephesians 1 and or Ephesians 5 and Colossians 1 says that Christ is the head of the body and we are the body of Christ. There is a connection there. It's a beautiful picture of our union with Christ. So secondly, it's not just God creates belonging, but we, the reality of belonging comes from the reality that we belong to Christ. Such a great picture of our union with Christ. In verse 23, when speaking of giving honor, he uses this word that's very rare in the New Testament. He uses this word bestow. There's a bestowed honor. And I think it's really interesting because it, it's only it's only. It's only used in two other places in the New Testament, two other ways. One is in the parable of the vineyard when they bestow or put up a fence, which is kind of interesting. But the only other place is in the context of the crucifixion of Jesus. Jesus, even though he was a rightful king and had all the honor and glory for all of eternity, in his last moments before his death, it says that they bestowed him with a robe and a crown of thorns. They bestowed it upon him. It was a way in their culture to mock him, to bring ultimate shame on him, as if you're a king, before they led him to the cross outside of the city, treating him as if he was the ultimate outsider and criminal who deserves ultimate shame. And I don't know if Paul was using this intentionally or not, this word, but it is a reminder that the one with all honor was so willing to be stripped of it so that he could be bestowed with all the sin that makes us deserving of being outsiders, of not belonging in the garden. He desired to put that on himself and experience all the dishonor, the isolation that we deserve from the Father, that he willingly did that. So that through his resurrection and his and death, the death and resurrection and faith in him, we could be united to his his body, 
his bodily death, his bodily resurrection. And we could be bestowed with the same honor and glory that he has in his resurrection. So that we can have the assurance that we belong to God forever. Because of this, we have a new identity. As Galatians 3.27 says, it says that those in Christ are clothed in Christ. Where there is no longer what? Greek or Jew. Slave or free man. Male or female. Because we are all one in Christ. We all belong to him. If you're a Christian, the reality is is that you belong to Christ and God has so perfectly arranged you in his body and he's bestowed you with a great honor. There's no other community on earth that gives people who can be so different the power to belong to each other. There's no other community. So let me leave us with some pretty incredible responsibilities. Lastly, the responsibilities of belonging. I'll just mention two here. The responsibilities, number one, to participate. See, verse 17 and 19, Paul makes a point of showing how incomplete or imperfect it would be if everybody looked the same. He says, could you imagine if everyone was an eye, where, where would the hearing be? If everyone was an ear, where would the noses and the sense of smell be? It's actually a pretty funny image, right? All of us look like a nose. <laughs> A few years ago, I got Bell's palsy. You know what that is? It's kind of like a stroke, but it's temporary. Um, it's a condition where you lose feeling and function in, in half of your face. Uh, I noticed it when I was brushing my teeth one day. I kind of put you know, water in my mouth and sw- to swish, out, uh, swish it around. And water shot out like a, you know, like a water fountain. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty weird. So I got more water in my mouth and started to swish it around. And uncontrollably, it just spit out. I was like, honey, something weird is happening to me. Um, but for the next several weeks, I, I had no feeling or function in half of my face. And can you imagine if, if you lost 50 or 80% of your, the function of your body? Unfortunately, the reality in a lot of churches, 20% of the body does 80% of the work. 20% of the body gives 80%. I think our church is much higher than that, but it emphasizes the, the, the point that everyone is necessary and called to be, to be involved in the work and worship of the church. In fact, that's why Mike gave uh, Hustina that charge. Everyone who's a member committed that vow, made that vow. Do you promise to support the church in its worship and work to the best of our ability, of your ability? It's not because we made that up, it's because Paul in places such as this, says you are so necessary. We need the function of everybody. So there's a responsibility to participate. But lastly, a, a responsibility to be proactive. This is a very convicting one. I really don't think um, anyone here has said to others, we don't need you, as was in the text here. But in verse 23, it shows that you just can't stop there. It says where there are people who don't feel like they they belong, where they're weaker, where they feel like they're not as gifted or as good, we're called to bestow on them greater honor. Bestow on them greater honor. He says we're called to be proactive and figure out ways to make sure that they know that they actually do belong. They're a valuable part of this church. So I'll just leave you just with some mental images. Picture this with me. Can you imagine a church where someone walks in feeling 
Like they are so different. They're dressed different. They look different because of their, maybe for whatever reason, social class or wealth or whatever. And the, the best dressed and most wealthy member of our, members of our church target them. They walk over to them and find creative ways to bestow on them, you are welcome here. Can you imagine a church of those people who feel like they're not more, they're not outwardly gifted as some others, especially you, you in full-time ministry. But there are lots of conversations going on of those who are in full-time ministry or are very gifted, outwardly gifted, with, with those who are teachers and bus drivers and engineers saying, man, you know, your work is so significant. You are so valuable in the work and worship of this church. You're bestow, they bestow on them honor. Can you imagine a church where those people who feel most ashamed because of sin or addiction or failure, they walk in and those who are most walking in the Spirit, above reproach, they target them and they look for creative ways to bestow on them a sense of the good news that, you know what? Man, I know what it's like to be a sinner. And we belong to Christ by grace through faith alone. I'm right there with you. you. Imagine a church where even people from our community come in and they feel like they can belong here even before they believe. Verse 25 says, we should have that same type of care for one another. The word there is anxious concern. It's what your right arm would feel if your left arm got crushed or hurt, started to suffer. An anxious concern. Being part of the body of Christ means we cannot be passive in this church. We have to have a proactive, anxious concern for all other members of the body so that not, no one person who comes into this church feels isolated or lonely or excluded or insignificant like the 54% of our culture does. Each one of us should be proactive in helping the others feel like they, if you are in this church, you are part of the one body. And you can be fully known for who you are, accepted and loved, and you belong. If your faith is in Christ, this is your reality. This is is how Christ so proactively pursued to love and accept you, knowing full well of all your mess and incompleteness. If you're part of his body, the church, God has forever restored your belonging to God. Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious God, there is no doubt some feel as if they could never belong to a group in this way, fully known and yet accepted and loved. But God, I pray that you, Holy Spirit, would minister to them in such a way that they leave here with the assurance that they belong to Christ. Therefore, they do belong here. And that you would give a sweet conviction to us, all parts of the church, to make sure we do everything we can to bestow on them the honor that you have showed us in Christ Jesus. And in his name we pray. Amen.